You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BGM Radio, episode number 362. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. If you can't tell from my voice, I'm a little sick right now. Won't be attending the game tomorrow in Philadelphia against the Cowboys. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday morning, and with me, as always, is the great Brandon Lee Gowden of bleedinggreennation.com. Buddy, what's going on? Jimmy, uh, big props to you for powering through. We appreciate it. The listeners appreciate it. I was worried that if we didn't do this BGN radio preview show, um, it would be, and if the Eagles lost to the Cowboys, well, it would be the second time this it's year. The, it's we Cowboys week. You have to do. You have to power yeah. through. And oh, it would was be, it the Jets game? That, that yeah, we it was the Jets game that I just did a solo BGN radio preview. <laughs> so if we did two non-preview weeks before Eagles games that happened to be losses, I think the people would start to, you know, break out the pitchforks and the torches. Yeah. So um, we avoided that. Jimmy, you're here. Thanks for being here. The podcast is brought to you by all of our wonderful sponsors, including Wrong Crowd Beer, which is delicious and great. And you should go to Westchester, Pennsylvania to get some for yourself or go to wrongcrowdbeer.com or go to your local beer store and check it out there. And if they don't have it, you can tell them that they should have it and hopefully they can get it in there for you. Uh, you will not regret trying all of the flavors that they have going on because they that's the thing. At Wrong Crowd Beer, they kind of do a bunch of different fun flavors that they're always releasing and uh, they're all worth trying. Yes. Wrongcrowdbeer.com. Wrongcrowdbeer. You can find it wherever you buy your beer, and if they don't have it, ask for it, and make sure they get it in there, and then buy it from them and drink it, as long as you're over 21 years old. Yep. All right. Okay. Uh, Let's get to injuries. Mm. Uh, We'll start there. Cam Jorgens was not uh, elevated from IR, and I guess the new change this year with uh, the injury reports is... If guys are still on injured reserve, but they have their 21-day practice window opened and they begin practicing, then they 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 show up on the injury report. Which previous years they didn't, so we actually get like uh, a status for mm-hmm. Jurgens on this uh, for this game, and he's out. But he's also not even on the roster either because he's on IR. So uh, I like that they make that change because you were kind of left in the dark as to whether you know those guys were going to play or not. And we wouldn't find that out usually until like the day before. That Usually mm-hmm. on Saturday you'd find out if a guy got elevated from IR and was going to play. But we already know now he's not going to play. And it looks like Suo Opeta, who is on the injury report but does not have an injury designation, meaning he's not listed as questionable or anything like that. Um, means he's healthy, so it's a performance-based benching, it looks like, mm-hmm. of Sua Opeta for rookie third-round pick Tyler Steen. High third-round pick at that, like 60, what was he, 66? 65. 
Sydney Brown was 66. 65, 65th overall. So a relatively high pick. And, um, you know, I personally thought that he had a pretty good camp uh, this summer. Like, there was, when camp started, if you'll all recall, it was going to be sort of an open competition between Cam Jurgens and Tyler Steen for the starting right guard job. And then it really never was a competition. Like, Cam Jurgens got reps uh, with the first team offense every day for like the first few days, and Tyler Steen did not get any. And Jurgens looked really good. And, you know, by the time the third or fourth practice rolled around, I was like, okay, Cam Jurgens is going to be the starting right guard. Like, there's, there's just no question about it. And then it, to me, it was kind of surprising that Sua was the first guy off the bench, um, you know, at, at, you know, at either guard spot. I think he filled in for Landon Dickerson initially at, at left guard, but then mm-hmm. when Jurgens got hurt, he filled in right guard as well. And that kind of surprised me a little bit. Like, I thought it would be Steen. I thought Steen, like, you and I, I think, both agree that Steen looked really comfortable at left tackle during right. training camp because that's what he played at Vanderbilt and then at Alabama. Um, so, you know, learning the right guard spot has been a little bit of a transition for him, but I still thought he looked, yeah, I, I thought he was imp- he improved all throughout camp uh, at right guard. And I thought he looked fine there. And uh, I thought, I certainly thought he looked better than Jack Driscoll, for example. I thought he actually looked <laughs> better than Driscoll at right guard uh, by the end of camp. And, um, yeah, so it's not not a huge surprise to me that he's going to be starting in this game in favor of Suo Peta, who uh, played well or you know played okay, well enough uh, in his first two starts, which were against the Rams and the Jets. Yeah, and then did not look good at all against the Dolphins. Uh, was a little better against the Commanders than he was against the Dolphins, but still bad in that game too uh, last Sunday. So um, yeah, it's going to be Steen. It, it looks like and. Um, I think he'll be fine. Uh, they're going to give him help, as noted, constantly with this right guard position. He's playing in between two Hall of Famers in Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. So he's going to get help. And in the six snaps he played against the commanders when Suopeta got hurt last week, he did get help. Like they they shaded uh, the, the, uh, Jason Kelsey his way um, on five of the of the six snaps that he got. Did a nice job on a pass off on a on a um, on a TE stunt, a tackle end stunt, uh, a tackle end stunt, and um, you know did a good job passing that off between he and and Lane Johnson, uh, but not a lot, not a really a big sample size to kind of go off of on on you know how he played in that game. But he was he's good enough in the six snaps that he had, and uh, I think he'll be fine going forward in this in this Cowboys game. Uh, it's a big that was a long, spot. Uh, that was a long rant on uh, on Tyler Steen. <laughs> it, it's a big spot to you know ask him to come in and play well. So that's a little I think nerve wracking sure. to some extent. But I do agree that this is a, a player with a lot of potential and upside that we've seen has good athleticism. Um, his arms are shorter than you would like, ideally, which is part of why I think the Eagles plan to play him more at guard than tackle in the NFL. But uh, overall, yeah. Uh, I, I do think he is worth this move is worth making for sure, because out of uh, I forget how many, but like basically every guard who's played at least 20 percent of the snaps this year, according to PFF. So Opeta was allowing um, like the 12th most pressure. There's only 11 guards who allowed more pressures than he has. So. And I think, you know, that matches the eye test like Sua had not really been playing well. And the Eagles running game the splits between having Cam Jurgens and not, meaning, you know, when Suo Peta has been instead, are kind of drastic. And I 
I don't think it's only because Jurgens hasn't been in there, but it's certainly contributed. And I just think Opeta isn't as good of a run blocker. So um, I think this it's definitely a move worth making to me. It just makes me a little bit nervous because you're counting on a rookie in such a key spot <clears throat> spot here. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it just feels like it almost would have been like better to get him. If you're going to make this move now, like why wouldn't you make it earlier? I guess like why why is this the spot you would want to get him integrated as opposed to you know you could have done that more reasonably I think uh, earlier on, but it is what it is now. It's it's a huge game, but also it's they, the Cowboys don't have a great interior defensive line. So like Opeta had to play against Aaron Donald, Quinnen Williams, Christian That's Wilkins. Fair. Um, Deron Payne and, and Jonathan Allen. The Cowboys don't have anyone on the level of those guys on the interior. Of course, you have Michael Parsons who moves around everywhere and they can kind of pick and choose who they want uh, to, for you know, who they want him to, to kind of uh, go up against. And the Eagles have a plan. The Eagles will have a plan for him. Uh, but yeah, I, I do agree that it's a huge game for him to get his starting debut, but also the matchup isn't, geared toward him getting right. wrecked by uh by the Cowboys because they're just not a very strong interior defensive line team. Elsewhere on the Eagles injury report real quick, Bradley Roby will miss his third straight game, which kind of begs the question, what are the Eagles going to do at nickel cornerback against C.D. Lamb? I think there's a number of different ways they could go about that. I don't think it's necessarily going to be as simple as what they did against the Commanders where they had Sidney Brown playing early downs more so to help with the run. And then you have Eli Ricks in there on, you know, the more obvious passing situations. I don't think it can be that simple going up against CeeDee Lamb. I feel like, you know, they might want to have Darius Slay travel at times. They could experiment with James Bradbury back there, um, potentially liking that matchup. Uh, so what do you think they do in the slot? Well, I mean, this is a, one of those games, you know how like we talk about Terry McLaurin, where it's like, just cover that guy, because <laughs> the other the other guys aren't going to hurt you. Well, it's kind of the same situation here with CeeDee Lamb. I mean, CeeDee Lamb has, I'm sorry, I'm just pulling up his stats right now. Uh, I know he's got like 600, He's got, so he's got 46 receptions for 633 yards, uh, only three TDs, but... Uh, Every other wide receiver on Dallas's roster combined has 517 yards. So the, he's got more than everybody else combined. Um, so, you know, they're going to put him in the slot and they're going to try to take advantage of, of matchups there. But I think what the Eagles will do is they'll kind of cover him by committee. It won't just be, you know, one guy on him and they'll shade coverage his way no matter where he is. Because the other guys that they have just really haven't lived up to hopes or expectations like they traded for Brandon Cooks of course who I thought that, I thought that was a good move for them mm -hmm. this offseason like Brandon Cooks is a guy who's just consistently produced throughout the entirety of his career and for whatever reason he's just not there so far this year Michael Gallup had an injury a few years back and he just has never gotten back to what he was before that injury and you know that this year is included in that as well so it's CeeDee Lamb and and that's it. <laughs> like he, he's kind of their passing game, and uh, I like I, I can't imagine that it'll just be okay. Eli, get out there and cover CD Lamb, and then we're gonna play Darius Slay on and James Bradbury on right. Brandon Cooks, and 
uh, and Michael Gallup and uh, best of luck to you, Eli. And, and, you know, hope, hope that works out. They'll have a plan for, for uh, CD lamb. I imagine. Um, and he's going to get his, like, he's going to get his share of catches because they're going to throw to him a lot. Like he's their guy. So it's not like you're going to keep him completely off the uh, stat sheet, but um, when you only have one receiver, who's really a big threat, it's a little easier to cover that kind of guy than it is when you have, you know, we can't keep like you start double covering AJ Brown. And other guys are going to kill you. You know, part of the reason why AJ Brown has had this insane stretch the last five, six games is because you have to fear the other options in Eagles passing offense. And you don't really have to do that so much with this Dallas offense. I agree with the committee kind of approach or experimental. That kind of just is what Sean Desai does too. He likes to try different things and adjust, which is a nice thing to see typically from a defensive coordinator or any coach. Uh, And then Boston Scott is going to miss this game. He was out of practice the entire week due to personal reasons. I don't think we know what's going on there. Obviously we hope that he's okay. His family, everything is okay. We'll see. Um, In the meantime, that does mean that Rashad Penny figures to be active for this game. Now, the last time the Eagles had Rashad Penny active, they didn't even give him a touch. Like he was just active in case of emergency. Basically that was week three against the Buccaneers. uh, When I believe Boston Scott missed that game too, because he had a concussion and uh, it was this Gainwell and Swift. But I mean, with Kenny Gainwell struggling, like he is, and he is struggling in a big way. Can I read you some stats, Jimmy? Did you see this tweet I tweeted out with can. all the Kenny Gainwell I, stats? Did I you? need I need some kind of jingle when you're when you're about to crush either Kenny Gainwell or Quez Watkins. <laughs> I need some kind of brand and jingle. It's too on brand. <laughs> anyway, um, uh. <laughs> I mean, at least with Quez, like they don't totally overuse him you know what i mean like he, he just gets like a target or two with with kenny some of it's egregious yeah yeah, yeah. I, i'm yeah i, I know <laughs> in any case but uh, go ahead kenny gainwell this season among 39 running backs with at least 51 carries he ranks 39th in pff grade he ranks 39th in yards after contact per attempt so that seems like a key stat that you'd want to key in on in like high leverage, short yardage, red zone situations when you need a guy to like break tackles, um, pass block grade. Everyone talks about how good he is as a pass blocker. I still, I do think he is their best pass blocker. I don't think that's saying a whole lot. He is 33rd at a 39th and in yards per route run, he is 31st. He is 39 out of 41 running backs in success rate this season. And he is 42nd out of 45 running backs in rushing yards over expected per attempt. That's an NFL next gen stat. So by no metric is he playing well. So can, and in the meantime, I know Rashad Penny, like hasn't he, so he had three carries this season for nine yards. He hasn't really done a whole lot. He was good in the, or he was okay in the preseason. He like, I think he averaged 4.7 yards per carry. He didn't look like totally cooked. Can't do anything anymore. I thought he had some nice runs in training camp. Those were not like every day, but I saw some level of flash. Coaching staff clearly doesn't trust yeah. him. But this is a guy in Rashad Penny who, in his last 10 starts, has 149 rushes for 1,017 yards at 6.8 average and eight touchdowns. Maybe that guy like deserves like more than zero carries. Maybe just like try it a little bit to see what you got there. And we'll see if they do. I'm not expecting it to happen from the standpoint of they haven't trusted him this far. At the same time, as we pointed out on the Eagles Commanders recap, 
Eagles didn't give the ball to Kenny Gainwell again in that game in terms of a carry. They threw to him a little bit as dump off passes or whatever. But um, so maybe, just maybe, they'll actually get Penny involved a little bit. And uh, maybe I'm just wish casting. Not to pile on Kenny Gainwell here, but he's averaging 3.0 yards per carry this year. You know what his career long rush is? And he's got 100. He's, so for his career, he's got 100, 172 career rushes. What's his long rush of his career? Mm-hmm. What is it? 18. That's correct. He has got no rushes of 20 plus yards. And he's got, he's you know what his long reception is? It's 16. It's 20. He's got a 20 yard reception. Oh, it's 20? Last year. Okay, yeah, well, 20. whatever. Sorry, I'm off by four yards. It's 20. <laughs> Great. He's, so, so he's, he's not like, a, what, one 20 yard players? At least with Quez, there's a chance of a, of hitting a big play down the field. Whereas, like, what's the ceiling right. with what? What like what are you hoping to get? Exactly, it's weird. Um, over under Rashad Penny zero point five carries on Sunday. I'll take the over. Really? Okay, I'll take the under on that. Again, they didn't they didn't give Kenny the ball on a carry after his fumble last week. So I think it's possible that they put him in for it's just one carry. The thing too also, is like if anyone gets hurt, he's gonna get it. If if either Swift or Gainwell gets hurt, then Penny would like be a guarantee to get at least one carry. They keep going back to this. Nick Sirianni keeps going back to this thing, and I Nick Sirianni's great, great coach, good with you know in in you know media sessions and whatever. But he keeps going back to this thing where like uh, they you know they're not gonna demote him because he messed up in this game or that game or whatever, and like. Like and the, the example he uses is like, well, we're not going to bench Jalen Hurts if he throws an interception. We're we're not going to demote AJ Brown if he has a drop. You know, I'm, we're not going to take play calling duties away from Brian Johnson and give them to somebody else if he calls a play that leads to an interception. Okay, but like AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts, as we've said on the podcast before, they're star players. Of course, you're not going to bench them for them for, for them making a mistake. But the other thing too is like. They actually have demoted him already this year. He was the RB1 to start the season. Week one, he got, what, like 16 right. carries against the Patriots? And DeAndre Swift got two. 18 touches total. Eight, and Swift got two, right? So yep. I think you know it became clear uh, pretty quickly that DeAndre Swift was the better running back. And they made that change. So they actually did demote him after not playing well earlier this year. And, you know, personally, I think, like, Boston Scott is... Yeah, and you've mentioned this on previous podcasts too. Like when he's gotten opportunities in the past, he's done good things with them. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's not to get bogged down by the whole Kenny Gamewell <laughs> discussion, uh, but yeah, I, I'd like. To, wouldn't it be maniacal if, uh, like, Rashad Penny is like is totally is like good all along, and they've been holding him back just mm-hmm. for the, like just for this game, <laughs> and they're like. They have like this fake thing with Boston Scott with like just pretend you have a personal <laughs> issue, <laughs> and we're gonna right. and that's why that's why we'll have Rashad Penny up this week, and then Rashad Penny gets like twenty five mm-hmm. carries for two hundred yards. <laughs> of course, I hope hopefully there's. I don't think that's that's like not Scott impossible. It's, <laughs> right, I don't think that's likely to be clear, but yeah, there's a non-zero chance that like Rashad Penny could. I mean, he's done it before. Like he has that ability in him theoretically. Like we've seen that ceiling. Like you talked about, we haven't with Gainwell. 
I, I and it's it's such a high leverage game, obviously, in terms of like the stakes and what this means for not only the division but potentially the one seed. Like, if there is a game to bust out a secret weapon, it's this game. So, uh, it's kind of like you know we'll believe it when we see it. But I think it's worth noting that it's not impossible. But I got him. At, I have him at zero carries for this for this game. To be clear, okay. All right, uh, well, Cowboys have some injuries here, Jimmy. Well, let's let's finish out the Cowboys. Oh, sorry, yeah, and the, the Cowboys we'll injury report. They have. I think we're uh, delayed. By the way, sorry, I'm trying to sync this up with the audio because I think like it's not timed up right. So whenever I say something, I don't want. I'm trying not to talk into you. Yeah. But um, all right, that's Little the technical difficulties. Yeah. Well, uh, Tyron Smith is on the injury report, questionable with a stinger. Stingers are weird injuries. You never really know how they're going to go. They're unpredictable. If you remember, Jordan Howard had a stinger back a few years ago, and it didn't go away. <laughs> and it just didn't go away for a really long time, and he just didn't play for a long time. And that could be happening potentially with Tyron Smith. They're starting left tackle, of course, for you know the last decade plus. Um, his replacement last week was Chuma Edoga, kind of a journeyman guy. He apparently looked, I didn't watch him play last week, but apparently he was bad before he got hurt and was carted off. And you know the, why don't you pronounce, pronounce this guy's name? It looks like, to me, it's Asim Richards, uh, but. Right. But what is it? I it's said awesome. that, so I, I pronounced it that, I pronounced it that way on the NFC mixtape episode I did with RJ on Thursday night, the live one, which you can check out the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel and also the replay available in the the leading your nation podcast feed. But yeah, I said esteem and he was like, it's actually awesome. It's awesome. Richards. <laughs> That's a great name. Uh, but anyway, uh, he's a fifth round rookie and he filled in for Chuma Adoga who got hurt last week in their game against the Rams actually carted off the field. And somehow he's not seriously injured, but uh, Tyron Smith questionable at the stinger Chuma Adoga questionable ankle, right? I think it is. And then, uh, awesome yes. Richards, uh, is, will be the starter at left tackle. If both of those guys can't go. And I think no matter who plays advantage, Josh sweat, whether it, it's against, you know, one of these mm -hmm. two injured guys or, you know, a fifth round rookie. And then of course, on the other side, we'll get to these more in the matchups, but, uh, Terrence Steele, just because we're talking about injuries last year, he tore his ACL MCL. And I think it, I think it's the MPFL, something like that. Um, and he sort of miraculously recovered in time to start week one. He suffered that injury in December. Whenever you tear three ligaments in your knee, it's hard to come back that quickly. And for him, like anytime you, you, you tear like three ligaments, you're going you're gonna to have stability issues and you're going to have lateral movement issues. And he's not like he is. He was like, you know, becoming a, a pretty good right tackle. And I think this injury has sort of set him back a little bit this year. He's not played as well this year as he has in the last couple of years when he was sort of emerging as a as a as a pretty good starting right tackle. That is a major uh, mismatch in the favor of the Eagles with Hassan Reddick against that guy, in my opinion, this week. All right. <clears throat> um, let's take a break here and then get into the Eagles offense versus the Cowboys defense. Jimmy, 
back after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on BGN Radio, which in addition to Wrong Crowd Beer is also brought to you by Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Right, Jimmy? Yes, 856-906-9295. If you're looking to buy or sell your home, Roto by God is the best realtor in the history of the universe, as you all know. Okay, Jimmy, Eagles offense going up against this Cowboys defense. It's an opportunistic defense. Uh, The messaging from Nick Sirianni is, you know, is taking care of the football and it should be because I think that's what was one of the most concerning things to me about this matchup as a whole. And it's kind of a weird thing to talk about because it's like, you know, it's very obvious. Don't turn the ball over. Okay. Yeah. Great. Like we know that, but the Eagles haven't necessarily been great at taking care of the ball, which is a little bit bizarre because if I was looking back at Jalen Hertz's, college numbers even yesterday and because uh, I was writing a Q&A thing with the blocking the boys site and I'm like even dating back to college turnovers have never been an issue for him so it's so like weird and it yeah. kind of makes me believe it has to be you know bad luck that not entirety there's been obviously some bad throws that were just you know his fault but the way he's turning the ball over this mm-hmm. year it just feels a little bit kind of like a little bit like Dak last year where Dak, you know, had this way out in front career inter- like he had the highest interception rate interception interception rate of his career last year and it felt like that was going to normalize it has and we'll get to the Cowboys offense later but um you know the turnovers are are the huge thing here in terms of like just look at how the Eagles rank compared to last year i mean last year they were Second in points per game after eight games at 28.1. This year, they're third at 28.0. They're only 0.1 points per game behind where they were at this time last year. Um, Now, obviously, they could be even better if they stopped turning the ball over and leaving points on the field. Yeah, uh, I got some crap from the folks in the comments section of uh, my site for, you know, having right right at the top of my five matchups, that you know the Eagles can't turn the ball mm. over in this game. Oh, really? Like it was like, oh, really? No kidding. Uh, which you know, I get that. Like it's like, yes, you don't want to turn the ball over, and you want to try to produce takeaways. And on your point that, but the point is, like the Cowboys, they capitalize yes. on mistakes in a big way. They led the NFL in takeaways the last two seasons. Mm. So like thirty three last year, and then thirty four. In 2021, in fact, like during my dumpster fire series, not this, not this past year, but uh, not this past season, but last last summer, uh, a big thing that I had in there was like they're not going to repeat that. Like they're not going to repeat their turnover production uh, two years in a row like that, and they did. So that was like one thing that I got glaringly wrong in that. And they they've led the league in takeaways two straight years, and then this year they have 
They have a bunch. I think they have 13, which puts them on pace for like 32. So right on pace with where they've been the last couple of years. The Eagles, meanwhile, have turned it over 13 times and only five teams in the NFL have turned it over more. So, you know, last week, of course, they fumble. They lose two fumbles inside the commander's five yard line, which is, you know, it's just kind of unacceptable. And to win that game anyway is, you know, says something for how good of a football team they are. But you can't do that against a team like this because they will capitalize on that and, and, you know, you just can't. And of course, like, you know, I was, ju- I felt justified in, in my having that at the top of my five matchups because I had that before, you know, we learned that Nick Sirianni's messaging, as you mentioned for the week was all about, you know, not making mistakes. He showed, of course, the picture of uh, Bobby Knight uh, with the sign in the background that says, I forget what the exact wording was, but basically, uh, you know, don't make more mistakes than your opponent. Um, I know a lot of people have made fun of the, <laughs> and using Bobby Knight, uh, using a Bobby Knight picture because Bobby Knight was not such a good guy. Uh, but the messaging is is right on in, in terms of uh, making sure that you're doing all things correctly fundamentally. Like they have a big emphasis on, like if you go into the Eagles Auditorium, there's a huge sign on ball security, like a huge banner on ball security, like, Hold, you know, hold the ball ab- uh, above your elbow, uh, eagle claw grip uh, on, on on the nose of the football. And then, like, uh, they have another huge banner on, like, ripping at the ball and, you know, punching at the ball or whatever to, produ- to produce uh, fumbles and that kind of thing. So I think a big emphasis is going to be on that kind of stuff this week. Like, don't forget, get back to these fundamentals against this team. Because ultimately, like, I think the Eagles are just a better football team. And if they don't turn the ball, they don't make huge mistakes, they should win this game. I was just about to say, I don't worry about the Cowboys just beating the Eagles. I worry about the Eagles beating the Eagles. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. Uh, I don't think they've Very well played said. their A game this year. And I think that it's important to note here so going back to the Kenny Gainwell thing for a second, not the whole crux of the thing, but like someone, I tweeted that stat out. And they're like, why would you care? The Eagles are seven and one. I'm like, well, because they're about to get, get like a lot. The schedule is about to get a lot harder. The margin for error is slimming down here. They have to play better. They can't afford to mess around kind of like they have at the, to this point. So, uh, and this game is a prime example of that, especially in such a, Again, a massive game for the ramifications of winning and, and losing. So, yeah, I think it absolutely more than ever has to be you can't beat yourselves. You can't give you can't narrow your margin for error because you don't have a large margin for error in this one. So, yeah, I think we're both getting at that. And I think it absolutely has to stop. If you want to feel good about that, you know, the Eagles, um, I think, you know, Jalen Hurts played pretty much mistake free as a passer, you know, last week. He obviously did have the fumble on the tush push, but like, you know, are you worried now that all of a sudden he's going to do that regularly? No. I mean, that's been an unstoppable play for them all year. I'm sure that they'll figure that out. Um, So, yeah, I think that's a a reason to believe maybe. And also, um, I look at it from this standpoint. If the Eagles were like crazy good in turnover differential to this point now, everyone would be like, well, the regression's coming for them. You know, it's it's not going to be able to last. 
So maybe they're due for some positive regression in these areas in both uh, giveaways and takeaways. Maybe that's going to start bouncing back a little bit towards the normal normalizing because right now, you know, they're minus three on the season, which is kind of crazy because they're seven and one. They've they've turned the ball over more than they've taken it away this year. And yet they're seven and one um, and not too far away from being eight. and zero. So, yeah, turnovers are going to be huge. That's obvious, but we have to say it. Um, next matchup that I think is, uh, of course, mentioning is Michael Parsons. How do you stop him? And you made the point prior to the Rams game about how the Eagles always have an answer for Aaron Donald. Like, and the, and it goes back over a long period of time. And the constant there is Jeff Stoutland. Um, has always had a good plan for his offensive line against that guy. And the Eagles have have had some, like, bad players. The guys that should maybe not, I shouldn't say bad players, guys who shouldn't be starting or weren't, like, David the backups Mulch. played in, in games against Nate Aaron Herbig. Donald. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sue Opeta. So, and he has zero sacks against the Eagles in his career. And how many games is it now? Is it five games total for him against the Eagles? Something like that. Six, five or six. How many sacks do you think Michael Parsons has against the Eagles in his career? I know the answer to this, Jimmy. It's zero. Go ahead. It's well, zero point five. He's got a half zero, sack. A big zero. Zero point oh, five. Well, yeah, okay. he's got a, he's got he's got a half sack. Fewer than one. Some of that has to do with Lane Johnson just shutting him down. There have been a couple games where Lane Johnson has gotten hurt. He's he's got no sacks against Lane Johnson. Um, Lane Johnson actually got hurt in each of the last two games uh, against the Cowboys week, whatever yeah. it was, six uh, last year, left with a concussion. And then the Eagles offense just completely went into conservative mode. As soon as he went out, they were like, forget trying to do anything now. It's just going to be run, 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 run. <laughs> and the Cowboys actually came back in that game and made it interesting. The Eagles won, of course. And then last, and then, you know, at you know, the end of the season, that's when he suffered that uh, adductor injury that threatened his ability to play during the playoffs. He wound up, you know, playing through that and playing great. Uh, but that's the, that was the game where he, he injured his adductor and um, they were scoring at will uh, early in that game. And after he went out, they had three drives at the end of the game, did not score. So like mm-hmm. point, point, uh, point that's been made over and over again over the years, Lane Johnson, kind of a big deal. So, you know, hopefully you can stay healthy in this game. Anyway, he's a big part of being able to stop Michael Parsons, but they move Michael Parsons all over the line. They'll they'll rush him off the other side. They'll rush him up the middle. They do a lot of things with 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 twists and stunts and stuff like that. So the entire offensive line has to be aware of where he is at all times. But again, I think this kind of goes back to the Jeff Stoutland thing where they have always had an answer for Aaron Donald and they seem to have an answer uh most times for for Michael Parsons. And of course, last year they had that really sophisticated game plan not unlike the one that they had for uh, Von Miller during the Doug Peterson years, where they basically just left him unblocked on a ton of plays, and they sort of let him pick his poison. Like, if you're going to come after Jalen Hurts, then he can either do a little pop pass uh, to the tight end or to A.J. Brown or whatever, or uh, they're they reading him on on you know their their um, their RPOs and just leaving him unblocked, which is kind of ingenious. Like, you don't even bother trying to block him. Let him kind of figure out what he wants to do and then just do the op- do the other thing. Uh, and that worked really well in that game. So, you know, they're not going to be fooled by that again. But uh, I do think that the Eagles staff has proven that they typically have answers 
for star level defensive players. I agree with that premise. I the other thing that would worry me about this is what can Jalen Hurts do with his legs and how much, you know, is the yeah. option game and the running game really yep. as a whole, especially being able to run out of shotgun. Uh how effective is that? I think and I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. I don't think Jalen Hurts can't move at all. I don't think that's the case. I know he's lumbering and limping out there, but we did see him take off for that third and seven run early in the game against the commanders where he was able to move the chain. So I guess my thinking is it's he kind of can move more out of necessity than out of a luxury at this point. So the balance between that will be interesting. But I do wonder if there is any kind of like rope doping there going on a little bit in terms of um like, you know, the Cowboys thinking he can't move at all and surprise he can a little bit more yeah. than they expect. So how he looks exactly in that regard will be very interesting. We can only wait to see how that goes. But uh, that is something that is worrisome because I do think it's nice that Jalen Hurts is coming off this big game as a passer. And I think that deserves like that's confidence building um, results right there. But against this defense and against Micah Parsons and being able to neutralize him like they have, like the mobility is not nothing. Like it would be better to have zero or more than zero mobility, but um, it didn't take any shots in that game. And it didn't, didn't didn't seem like he like put any stress uh, on that, on his knee uh, against the commanders. So he has another week to, you know, he's, he'll be a week progressed in in terms of that healing. Um, So maybe he feels better this week than he did last week. Maybe. Anything else on the offense, the Eagles offense? Yeah, I think we should mention A.J. Brown, of course, just because he's been so insanely dominant. They have to have an answer for him. (laughs) Stephon Gilmore and uh, Deron Bland are the Cowboys' starting corners. Trayvon Diggs tore his ACL sometime around week two or three, something like that. Uh, Tore his ACL during practice. His season's over. Um, Cowboys fortunate to have, you know, a guy like Deron Bland who can, he was their slot corner, but also has some outside corner versatility. So he just became their starting outside corner opposite Stephon Gilmore. And then Jordan Lewis is now their new slot corner. That's the guy that you want to target. I think if you get into these man-to-man situations, uh, whether that be with Devontae, AJ Brown or, or Julio Jones or whoever it may be, um, that's who you want to target. In my opinion, when, when, when they are kind of matched up man-to-man, but um, very it's a it's a very uh, formidable one-two duo at corners. Gilmore, of course, has been a great cornerback in the league for a long time. You know, probably on the downside of his career, but um, still a good player. And then Bland, he's got four interceptions so far this year. Three of them are pick sixes. So like he's he can make plays. That guy, you know, a couple of them are gifts, but um, he he's he he had five interceptions last year for them. So it's, you know, it's not fluky that he's able to take the ball. He's got nine interceptions the last two years and the last year and a half, which is, uh, you know, pretty impressive for a guy that, you know, wasn't even a full-time player last year and, and only became one, you know, week three or so this year. So uh, they, have to be beware, they have to beware of that. Of course, we already went deep into the turnovers and whatnot, but uh, they are well, they are probably better suited to slow down A.J. Brown than, you know, any of these other recent teams that they've played during his insane streak. So we'll see if he can keep that going, but it'll be more of a challenge this week than it has been the last five or six. 
My last question for you, and I kind of touched on this a tiny bit with the Hurts thing of it all and his mobility, but do you think this is a run-the-ball game because the Cowboys have been had, specifically by the 49ers, on the ground, I guess the Cardinals too even, or not? Yeah, I think uh, when you look at the stats, like they haven't given up a ton of rushing yards on the season, but a lot of that is probably game script. So like when the Cowboys are good, they're really good and they get big leads and then you're not going to try to run on them at that point. So that's probably a big reason why they have, don't have, you know, they haven't given up a lot of rushing yards on the season when they lose. I mean, the Cardinals game wasn't a blowout, but certainly the 49ers game was, and they ran it all over them. So yeah, I think this is a run game. Um, we saw them, we saw the Eagles basically put on one of those big boy pants drives, uh, whatever it was, week five or week six last year, they needed to have a, a big, long drive, and they just ran it down their throats uh, for a touchdown to end the win. And this is a Cowboys defense that is really undersized. Like, they have a lot of guys that, you know, um, like safeties playing linebacker or, like, and linebackers playing edge rusher and, you know, defensive ends playing, you know, defensive tackle. So um, it could be a game where maybe you see fewer. And I'm kind of torn on this because on the one hand, if you play 11 personnel, then you get Jordan Lewis on the field. If you're playing, you know, two tight end sets, then you could potentially overpower, um, you know, that Cowboys front in the run game. So I'm sure they'll mix in a little bit of, 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 of you know, I'm sure they'll mix in plenty of both. Um but yeah, I think this is a game where you can run on them. The Eagles' running rushing attack has not been great over the last four or five games. After you know they they were stellar uh, week two against the Vikings, and then again week three against the the Buccaneers. But they've kind of hit a little bit of a lull here, and it would be nice to see that running game get going again against the defense that I think can had can be had by it. Okay, yeah, I go back and forth on that you know I think they have been had in the run like you just said but I also you know you have AJ Brown you have Devontae Smith you have Dallas Goddard you have Jalen Hurts coming off the best passing performance or one of them of his career can't just be like run the ball don't pass like what are we (laughs) doing here like the same kind of people who be like we have the best receiver in the NFL or like run the ball what are you doing it's like well those two (laughs) things you know you got you have to pass and also, AJ Brown's unstoppable right now. Why would he go yeah. away from that? Like, make someone prove that he, they can stop that streak that he's on before you just decide to end it voluntarily no yourselves. No like, doubt. you know what? Actually, we're going to overthink this and get away from him. No, just like keep feeding him until you can't. Okay, let's take another break here. There's and... something to be said for, for just doing what you do best. Yes. Oh, and I and I think I was I think about the Eagles too much, obviously. But part of what what I was thinking about recently. I think they kind of do that, and I, I want to give them credit for that in terms of – there's kind of some, like, questioning, you know, like, why don't the Eagles do more creative things in terms of pre-snap motion? Like, they're – you know, they kind of the, – the general book on the Eagles' offense is that it's not overly complicated. It's kind of just generally – they do what they do, and they do it mm-hmm. well. I think there's a lot of value in that. I think people, for some reason, too often think that, like, tricky equals better, and that's not always the case. I think you don't always have to overthink it. You can just do what you do well. And it's kind of badass when you do that, by the way, too, because it's like, hey, 
not that this this isn't a great one for one comparison, but it reminds me of how was it Michael Jordan would like tell people like exactly how he was going to beat them. Wasn't there like a story about this with Larry Bird or someone? He's like he told he told whoever he was playing like exactly how he was going to beat them every single time, and he did it. He did exactly what he said, and they couldn't stop it just because he is that much better. Yeah, uh, I think they're that's hard to do. To be clear, I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying that the element of surprise doesn't have value, but it can't be your only thing. It's like a tool in the toolbox. It can't be your whole identity is we're going to trick people. because that just doesn't work in the NFL. Who's like tricking someone all the time at every turn? You can't. There's too much film out there. There's too much football out there in terms of like years and years of football. You're not inventing brand new stuff all the time. At some level, you just have to execute. Okay. Why don't we take a break here, Jimmy? And we'll get into the Eagles defense versus the Cowboys offense. Back after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Back here on BGN Radio, which in addition to Wrong Crowd Beer Company and Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors is also brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to righteousfelon.com and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. The URL is in the episode description here. If you need help with that, you want to copy and paste that, whatever, click on it, right to selling.com to get 15% off the highest quality meat snacks you can possibly have. And what better time to have them than football season? You're sitting on the couch potentially, or maybe bring them to the tailgate, share them with your friends. I think people would like that. Uh, so right to selling.com discount code BGN 15 for 15% off your order. We appreciate you supporting the podcast, Jimmy, the Eagles defense is a bit Jekyll and Hyde right now. You kind of don't know what to fully expect. On one hand, they shut down the dolphins and the next week they can't stop Sam Howell. So <laughs> right. I'd be lying if I said I know exactly what to expect out of this Eagles defense going up against the Cowboys. What do you expect? It's a week-to-week league. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mentioned the uh, the two matchups uh, on the perimeter, or not on the, uh, on the edges with uh, Josh Sweat against whoever's playing uh, left tackle and Hassan Reddick against um, probably – not fully stabilized uh Terrence Steele um on the interior they have um two really good guards in Tyler Smith at left guard uh Zach Martin at right guard Brandon's guy uh uh Tyler Beadish uh Tyler at center just a guy uh he, he can be pushed around a little bit but their guards are good. So I think where they're going to win is on the edge if, if they do. And then, you know, as we mentioned earlier, it's CeeDee Lamb and, and that's it. Like, that's the guy that you like. You have to watch out for him. And uh, don't worry so much about the other guys. If they want to, if the other guys are going to beat you, I don't want to say so be it, uh, but make the other guys beat you. And then the run game uh, for me, Tony Pollard is not a guy who has carried the load over his career. And he 
hasn't really proven he can do that so far this year. He's kind of had a disappointing year, in my opinion, so far. Um, not a guy who runs between the tackles particularly effectively. Uh, more of like an outside runner. And um, I think that actually plays against the Eagles' strength because they're so strong up the middle with Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and all those guys. So teams that have run tried to run outside on the Eagles have had probably more success out there than they have uh, between the tackles. But when you know it's coming, probably a little bit of a different story. The Dolphins and, didn't. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Uh I mean, the Dolphins just quit trying to run the ball after after uh, the first couple series, and then they got back to it a little bit in the second half. But um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know that the that the Cowboys are going to be able to run the ball in this Eagles team um, because again, their tackles and and if they are going to run to the outside, their tackles are compromised. So um, you know that that's that those are those are battles that can be won on the edge too in the run game. Uh, if they try to run the, to the perimeter as opposed to you know right down the pike, so um, yeah, I, I kind of like the, uh, the 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 Eagles front seven matchup uh, against this uh, Cowboys offensive line and 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 the rushing attack. <clears throat> the thing that worries me about the most, or worries me the most, is definitely CD. Basically, probably about the whole game. Honestly, it's like the turnover thing and the CD thing, especially because I, 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 we don't even know what the Eagles are doing in the slot. So how am I supposed to like feel confident? in that matchup when I don't even fully understand what could happen there. I give Sean Desai some level of benefit of the doubt based on his willingness to be creative and based on that dolphin scheme that he will be able to put some kind of plan together. But like you said earlier in the show, CDs is going to get, he's going to get his to some extent, just like Justin Jefferson earlier this year got his when he went up against the Eagles. You know, obviously they did a good job of containing him overall in terms of, they were able to win the game, but you're just not going to shut him down to, you know, like one catch for 13 yards or anything like that. So I think and, and, though, and I'll make the point too. What, like, ha- yeah, sorry. Um, I'll make the point too real, real quick here. Like CD lamb is certainly a very good receiver, but in comparison to the other receivers, the Eagles have faced Justin Jefferson, as you mentioned, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Terry McLaurin, Cooper cup, Garrett Wilson, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. I mean, he's just another like he he's no better than that group of receivers. So they've already faced sort of the elite NFL receivers mm-hmm. and they're seven and one. So, you know, like while he is a, a, a for sure a challenge, it's not as if they haven't faced better receivers than him this year. For sure. I think the the biggest thing that needs to happen on defense is that it's time for the Eagles to unleash Jalen Carter because he's not really played that much this year. And obviously they, you know, they want to keep him fresh for the playoffs and whatnot. And they want to keep him on this rotation. And now he's coming off a back injury. Thankfully for his sake, he was a full participant in practice all week. So assuming he's not limited by injury, they really need to like, I think they need to up his snap count in this game. I mean, he's been incredibly impactful this season. We know that from the eye test, but I was looking up these numbers again for that Q&A exchange on blogging the boys. And Jimmy, this year, there are four interior defenders who've generated more pressures than Jalen Carter. That's Dexter Lawrence, Aaron Donald, Jeffrey Simmons, and Chris Jones. (laughs) Carter ranks tied for fifth with Jonathan Allen. And now the thing to note from that 
is Jalen Carter has played considerably fewer snaps than all of those guys. If you if you take snaps played divided by pressure this season, the top six defensive tackles would be in going from six to one. Jonathan Allen, he gets a pressure every 16 snaps about. Jeffrey Simmons at every 13 snaps. Aaron Donald at every 11.1 snaps. Chris Jones about every 10 snaps. Dexter Lawrence every 8.4 snaps. Really good. Jalen Carter, 7.14. He's getting a pressure Ooh. every 7.14 snaps. Like, I know part of that probably playing less makes him more effective to some extent because you can like, really go all out. But I think you have to test the conditioning a little bit in this game with it being so critical and having that favorable matchup, I think, on the interior, not necessarily obviously against the guards so much, but with Biotish being in there, like I think you and honestly, who cares? Like I don't care who Jalen Carter is going up against. I right. saw him pancake Joel Batonio. Like just I, I think Jalen Carter, the Eagles need him to take over this game. I think that would just go such a long way because especially too, Dak is getting the ball out quick. And that's what concerns me. Same, we just saw what Sam Howell could do when yeah. he get, got the ball out quick against the Eagles' pass rush. Dak is getting the ball out a lot quicker this year. I think they've kind of the Cowboys have moved away from some of the shot plays, thinking that okay, we need to take away Dak's aggressiveness to cut down on these interception numbers. Mm-hmm. And I think they've gone a little too far in that direction overall. But uh yeah he's getting out the ball out quick and i think jalen carter is the answer to that because there's only so much you can do when it comes to getting the ball quick against like really good interior pressure like if you're getting really good interior pressure you're not going to be able to get the ball out as quick because you can't just step up in the pocket or feel comfortable there so you're you're gonna have to make the quarterback move off his spot so i think jalen carter is like huge he is key to this game he the eagles need him to like just dominate in this one and last thing i'll say he did have a quote in the offseason. Uh, I was just going to um, say that, yeah. I don't know if you remember this. He, <laughs> okay, then I'll let you say it. Yeah, well, I, have, I, have, I have it pulled up here. He said, I'm ready to turn up, make a big impact this season every game, and I'm ready to kill the Cowboys. Everybody got beef with them. Yep. I might as well join the wave. Actually, like some of the pandering that yep. uh, uh, Philadelphia athletes and coaches uh, have just sort of uh, – uh, you know, kind of glommed onto Nick Sirianni, of course, big on that Bryce Harper. I didn't, that, that Jalen Cart, that Jalen Carter quote kind of, um, wasn't on my radar. I think you had actually written about it this week. Right. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, this is chance. Like yeah, this is a, this, and there'll be a big game to do it. The, the, this game mm-hmm. is, it means so much. Like you mentioned the, the schedule upcoming, they go eight and one, and then the Cowboys are are then five and three. You got a two and a half game five lead. And three. You got a head to head, you know, against mm-hmm. your primary rival uh, in the in the bank. You're now three and zero oh in the NFC East, and I mean that's just a huge cushion. It's just like a monster cushion yep. uh, for the rest of the season. Like I, I don't know what their odds would be to win the division, but you'd have to think it would be like somewhere around like 80 90 at least and then for the one seed mm-hmm. probably pretty high up there as well if you lose this game 0.5 game lead you got the head-to-head against you and the next game is in dallas so or the next game against dallas is in dallas so and then of course you have the stretch of the cowboys or well the cowboys game would be over by then but the chiefs bills 49ers 
Cowboys again, Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Not great. So mm-hmm. if you're looking yeah. to do big things this year, and by that I mean get the one seed and make a deep playoff run, this game's crucial. And yeah, I, I, I do think yep. they could get a huge boost if uh, if Jalen Carter uh, does what he says he wants to do. I shows he gets it. I think he he, yeah. he wasn't asked about it. Like he brought that up on his own. So I think he that's just good. I mean, not that like I'm sure you know it's a game. It's a big game. It's a division game. I'm sure players get it. But like he seems to maybe hopefully get it at a different level. Where like yeah, this is the time to shine. This is out of all the games. Like this is the one that like time to go big or go home. Basically. Uh, okay. Anything else on the Cowboys offense, Jimmy? No, I think that's it. One one other thing I will mention. Um. Not on either offense or defense, but we should probably just mention their, you know, the special teams real quick because they're very good there. Um, yep. They have arguably the best right. returner in the league in Cavante Turpin. And then they have uh, a field goal block for that was returned for a touchdown this year. Week one against the Giants. They have a punt block mm. that went for a safety. That was just this past week, I think, against the Rams. Um and they make plays. So they every year they're in the top 10 in special teams DVOA. Like they're not Chiefs level. I feel like the Chiefs have, you know, with um, what's his face, uh, you know, kind of the legendary special teams coach whose name is escaping right now. I'm a little embarrassed about, about that. Dave Tube. That's it. Yeah. Um, they, they have one of the best punters in the league in Brian Anger. Their kicker seemed like it was going to be an issue potentially for them heading into the season because they just kind of signed a guy uh where did they sign him from like was he from the usfl a soccer player oh the soccer okay brandon aubrey is his name he's 18 for 18 <laughs> field goals this season 17 of 18 on uh on pats um so yeah i mean they got the big time returner they have a kicker who hasn't missed a field goal yet they have you know one of the top five punters in the nfl and they create problems in the punt and field goal block uh, units. So, I mean, the, the Eagles special teams have been really improved from last year to this year. Um, they're going to have to be on their game in, in this game for sure. I think that's a very fair point. Okay, let's take a break here and then get into our picks. We will be back after this. <laughs> Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. Back here on BGN Radio, time to get into our... Weekly picks against the spread. Um, I guess I also actually, in theory, have to do the DraftKings thing. So I should probably have pulled that up, which I forgot about, which I didn't. So <laughs> let me really quickly move over to that. Um, throughout the season, we'll be cooking up our own same game parlay that our good friends at DraftKings will put right on their homepage for all of you, our loyal fans, to follow. This week, our parlay is not yet decided yet, but uh, you can stay tuned to the Bleeding Green Nation Twitter account at Bleeding Green on Twitter to see what that's going to be. And each week, DraftKings has new offers and great ways to make your Sunday more fun. 
Uh, I'm going to read the disclaimer at the end of the podcast. So stay tuned for that because legally you have to hear that. Okay. Jimmy, let's get into our picks against the spread. The only four games this week because of the division game, the Eagles and Cowboys. Let's start mm-hmm. with the New Orleans Saints who are hosting the Bears. The Saints are eight and a half point favorites. We don't need to spend a ton, a ton of time on this one. I'm going to say the Bears stink and it seems like Justin Fields isn't ready to play. That doesn't really necessarily even move the needle a ton for me, but the you know his backup who is in, what, an undrafted rookie free agent. Um, Tyson Bajan. Had that nice, yeah. okay game one. Yeah, and then clearly did not look very good at all against the Chargers. I think his struggles will continue, especially on the road. I will take the Saints to win in cover. I will take the Saints to win, but I'll take the eight and a half for the Bears. Saints team, mm. it's weird because they're, what, are they four and four now? They're probably going to win that terrible division because the Falcons mm. ain't it and the Buccaneers ain't it and certainly the Panthers aren't it. Um, but, man, uh, I don't like I don't like this team at all either. The Saints, so I'll you know I, I, give me eight and a half with anyone against the Saints, in my opinion. Uh, okay, let's go to the then the Giants at the Raiders. This was my lock of the week, uh, and I took it at one and a half before it moved. Really? I mean, I'll take it at two. I'm taking the Raiders over the Giants. Yeah, really. The Raiders okay. have the new head coach. The new the new like the, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the reports. <laughs> out of the Raiders locker room. Yeah. They're thrilled. Yeah. And I, to be clear, I made my pick before I even saw all that stuff that just uh, confirmed my thought that it's a, uh, yeah, like a new head coach bump. The guy we hate is gone bump. That's a real thing. I think it's a very real thing. And also Jimmy G was playing awful and turning the ball over like more than any other quarterback this year. And, Aiden O'Connell actually did some good things in the preseason, and I think by default he can't be as bad as Jimmy G was. So between that and the Raiders having some juice here and the Giants just being bad, and they're worse because they got rid of Leonard Williams, who isn't great, but still, like they made their team a little bit worse. Uh, and I don't know where Daniel Jones' health status is at. I know he's going to play, I guess, but I don't know how effective he's going to be. All that to be points Raiders winning here. Yeah, we saw this last year when Frank Reich got fired and then they hired Jeff Saturday and then everyone was like, yep. LOL, LOL, LOL. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and they won their first game. And then after that, they, I think they lost all the rest of their games. That's what the Raiders are going to do this year too. I think they're going to win this game and then they're going to yep. completely fall off. They're going to just be horrible the rest of the year, but I'm I with you. I, I, I'm with the fired head coach bump on two different levels. Like on, this is a little bit of a different case, because I think like it's not always that the players hate the coach that's that's outgoing. Sometimes they do like that. Co- like Frank Reich, they like that coach. In that case, it was more right. like, oh, crap, like we're playing for our jobs for next year. We yes. better get our S together and blah, 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 blah. In this case, yeah, maybe they just rally around. Well, we hated that guy. Let's let's win without him. Um, so, yeah, I'll take the Raiders, too, and I'll take them to cover. Interesting that you're. Uh, Did you watch the Monday of the week, though? I mean, I also part of it. What I didn't mention is Max Crosby just being like unblockable. That guy is. I was. I was like looking at his contract. I'm like, can the Eagles find a way to trade for Max Crosby? Because <laughs> like, I mean, he's awesome. Have you seen? Like, he was just dominating. He's the only reason why that Lions game 
on Monday night against the Raiders was close, like in the beginning. Like he was the only one key. He was the sole thing about the Raiders, like keeping the Raiders in that game early on before the Lions ultimately pull away, because obviously one player can't just keep the team in the game uh, like that forever. But yeah, I think he's going to wreck that Giants offensive line going up against what Evan Neal too on the right side. Like that's that's I mean that's a that might be the biggest mismatch in the NFL this week, just in terms of like position versus position. So. Anyway, yeah, I mean the the other uh, point really to be made be better. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the other point to be made here. It would be better addition... for the Eagles. <laughs> See, we're off sync. You can go. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the other thing. The other point to be made here, in addition to like the the new head coach bump or whatever is, or the fired head fired coach bump or whatever is, the Giants are fu- are freaking terrible. Like just awful this mm-hmm. year. I mean, we kind of expected that they weren't going to be anywhere near as they as you know. Uh, the record wasn't going to be as, as good as it was a year ago, but I've been surprised how bad that team has been this year. And I mean, they're headed toward, they, they're already sold. So like they, they've already decided, they've already punted on their season yep. by trading Leonard Williams to the Seahawks. I think they realize what they are and uh, that ship is going to be that, that they're going to sink hard this season. They are. And Therefore, it would be better for the Eagles' sake if I was wrong, and the Giants, they need to pick up some wins here to prevent yes. them from getting, you know, super highest pick possible. Okay. Uh, oh, and also Patrick Graham revenge game for the Raiders with the, uh, you know, him previously being the Giants defensive coordinator. Let's finally move on to Commanders, Patriots. Patriots are two and a half point favorites. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this game because I don't think it's a ton of juice, but I actually do think the Patriots will win. Yeah, I mean, talk about selling. They got rid of Montez Sweat and Chase Young. They are very clearly punting on this season. Uh, the Patriots did not. They should have, but they didn't. Uh, they didn't trade anyone, I don't think, at the trade deadline. I don't know what. I don't, I don't no. Whatever. Who cares? But, um, yeah, they're, they're the better team. They're, I don't like either of these teams, but the Commanders are a really bad team. Like, for whatever reason, they play the Eagles tough. Yep. Uh, but otherwise, they have been horrible this year. So pretty easy pick for me to take the the Patriots. And what is that line? Three? Two and a half. Yeah, even better. I'll take the Patriots minus two and a half. Okay, that brings us to the granddaddy of them all. Eagles at, sorry, not not Eagles at. Eagles versus Cowboys. Eagles are three-point home favorites. Indicates that it's kind of a typical coin flip game. Could go anyway. Line hasn't moved since it opened. I did see it open at two and a half Cowboy or Eagles in some places early on in the week, but it didn't really stay there at all. That was a very brief time, uh, if at all, in some sports books. Obviously, the only one that matters is DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Jimmy, why don't you go first? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple for me. Like, of course, we talked at length about the turnovers or whatever, but, um, you know, ultimately for me, the Eagles have the better quarterback. They have the better offensive line. They have the better pass rush. They have the better skill position players. And it's in Philadelphia where, and in a late after, like an, basically a night game because, you know, it's late. It's going to start at 430. It'll be over uh, you know, anytime between 730 and 8. You'll be some liquored up Philadelphians. Uh, and time is changing. For that one. And uh, it's a uh, tough place to play, I think, when, um, when, you have a huge game like this and people are tailgating for a long time. 
before again. It's going to be a nice day, by the way, too, uh, on Sunday. So I, it's just pretty simple to me. The Eagles are they're, they're the better team. They're the more talented team, and they're at home. And, you know, a lot on the line. Give me the Eagles. I have really labored about this pick. It's obviously very serious and not uh, just a fun thing to do at all. It's super predictive. I Earlier in the week, I think I was feeling less certain. I was like, I just feel that... Um, hmm. Why don't we go in the trust tree with this one? Are you ready to enter in a safe space with me jimmy and say something in the nest cannot be clipped anywhere yeah it's it's like it's this i think the cowboys have had a lot of luck everyone likes to talk about how dak has owned the eagles cowboys have had a lot of good breaks in these eagles cowboys games i think of the third and 30 last year where somehow like when the only thing that the eagles possibly can't let the cowboys do on third and 30 is let them get behind you they let them get behind them I think, or and also back to how like what Dak fumbled twice in that game, or at least once, and just so happens the Eagles can't get the recovery; they don't get the fumble luck in that instance. Whereas the Cowboys recovered all of the Eagles fumbles in last year's game, like they got all the fumble luck in that one. I think about how the no clear recovery game. Yeah, um, I think, and now some of these are a lot of these were in Dallas. To be clear, I think about how Rizul Douglas the ball bounces off his hands and into Amari Cooper's hands for a touchdown overtime win against Dallas. Like that wasn't even a good throw by Dak. It could have been a pick. It just happens to bounce off Rizal Douglas's hands. Like it just, I, I think about even in 2016 in Dak's first start against the Eagles, where late in that game, he throws a short pick to Leotis McKelvin and Leotis McKelvin lets the ball hit the, uh, hit the ground. But like, so my point here is like, it's not as simple as like Dak owns the Eagles and the Eagles can't do anything about it. It's like, no, it's like he's played well, but also he gets like all the breaks. The Cowboys get like all the, it feels like they get a lot of the breaks. I already mentioned the no clear recovery thing. That was insane. Um, Cowboys also, I believe won the coin toss in that game in overtime, <laughs> like another, just like another break in their favor. And then Eagles never got the ball back. Like there's, it just feels like they're like, it has to swing back at some point. They're getting all the breaks in these games, or at least like, a disproportional amount of breaks in these games. I think it's very exciting. That's finally the first Eagles, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts versus Dak matchup since early 2021, which was a very different Eagles team than what they are today. And Jalen Hurts was a very different quarterback. He was, he's much better today in terms of how he's progressed than he was back then. So uh, I don't want to be, I don't want to homer it up here. That's what I'm guarding against. I don't want to, a lot of that stuff I just said sounds very homerish. Uh, I don't want to be a, make it a homer pick. Kind of makes me nervous that a lot of people are picking the Eagles. I don't think they're giving the Cowboys enough credit, almost in some stances. But same time, uh, I think the Cowboys are not unlike the 49ers, who own them, kind of like front runners a little bit. And I think if you punch them in the mouth, I don't know if they have, they can respond to that. Yeah, I know they can get ahead and you know have a favorable game script and be really good and pour the gas on. I've seen them do that, but I don't know that they can battle back from adversity if the Eagles punch them in the mouth. So it's tough because I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it's going to be close, but ultimately I think I agree that Eagles are better in the trenches. And I think that Jalen Hurts overall is better than Dak Prescott. It comes down to the turnovers, but I think he's making progress in that regard. 
And again, I think the Eagles are due for some good luck overall in the series, but also in the turnover department. So, oh, and last thing, and I forgot to bring this up, the defensive portion. I think the Eagles have a bit of a secret weapon on defense in Kevin Byard because Kevin Byard has three interceptions against Dak. And maybe that's just some kind of lucky, doesn't really, it's not as predictive as I'm thinking it to be. But I think maybe there's something there that he has a good read on Dak. Maybe it's something about Dak's game that whatever for whatever reason gives away his attentions and Kevin Byard is keyed in on that. And uh, I think he makes a big interception in this game. I think Jalen Hurts to set up a Jalen Hurts game-winning touchdown pass. And the Eagles win this game at home 24 well, 28 to 24, four point win. They uh, that's the uh, that's they win funny. The I had it. Uh, they go I had 28 the... 23. <laughs> okay. They go into the bye feeling good. And uh, it almost feels too good to be true, which is, which is why I guard against that too, because they're in such a good spot at that point. It feels too easy. But uh, maybe the Eagles are just kind of, we haven't seen their A game yet. So I think it's you can you can sell me on the idea that they haven't fully reached their ceiling this season, where I think it's the Cowboys more have shown their ceiling. And it's a good ceiling, to be clear, but I don't think it's necessarily as good as the Eagles ceiling. And I think the Eagles will end up winning a very close one. All right, then. I have All right, any wrong. final thoughts, Jimmy? Yeah, I'm not going to be there uh, tomorrow. Let's uh, get out of here. Because I'm super sick. Uh, but uh, so I'll be watching from home. Like uh, many of you, which uh, I don't know, maybe not the worst thing, <laughs> but uh, I am a little bummed that I'm not, that I will be missing a Cowboys game. Uh, such a huge game. I won't be there. So, eh, what are you going to do? I'll uh, keep you abreast of the press box food situation. Okay. You thank you. Appreciate so that desire. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Uh, okay. This has been oh my final thought. Uh, beat beat the Cowboys. How about that? Just do it. That'd be really nice for me for from a content perspective and for everyone <laughs> in terms of being able to enjoy a bye week as opposed to having to sit through a bye week where the alternative happens. Okay, BGN Radio. This is it. BleedingYourNation.com for me. PhillyVoice.com for Jimmy. Rate, review, subscribe. Check out all of our sponsor information in the show notes, the episode description, whatever you want to call it, uh, in whatever podcast app you use. All the information is there. We appreciate you supporting our sponsors because that helps support the podcast, which is free, as I like to remind people. And our social media handles are also in the bio there, in the show notes, description, episode, whatever you want to call it. So you can check that out. And Jimmy and I will be back with you early next week after the Eagles beat the Cowboys. Good. Bye, everybody. B-G-N. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.